Good morning and welcome. We invite you back tonight at 5 p.m. And we invite you now to open your Bible, Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23 in just a moment. Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. As a people, not just religious, but secular, we do not like slavery. As Christians, we take seriously what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10. Writing by inspiration, Paul said to Timothy that those who take people for their own use in slavers are lawless and disobedient. Based on this and other passages and principles, we are opposed to slavery. We are especially opposed to pre-Civil War slavery and the culture that accompanied that abuse of people. Now, back in the first century, as the New Testament was being written and as the apostles spread the gospel... In the time of Jesus and the apostles, there were people who volunteered to serve others. Perhaps to pay a debt or just to earn sufficient wages for living. They were not captured. It wasn't forced servitude. They were under contract or bond to live with a family and serve for a stipulated wage. In some translations of the New Testament, you'll see the word bond servant. In some translations, the word slave is used in this way. Now, what I'm going to talk about this morning is not forced servitude, but voluntary service. And the word slave is used. And with that in mind, I take you now to Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. Paul, to the church at Rome, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone... As obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, but you've become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, 
you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 6 begins with a basic reference to baptism. Being baptized into Christ to walk in newness of life. In this part of Romans 6 we read, While you were not forced to be baptized, when that choice is made, another choice is to be made from thereafter. To be a slave of Christ with the obligation of obedience. I want to highlight five things about this important description of Christians, slaves of Christ. Number one, there is no greater master than Jesus Christ. I want us to see here in this passage that everybody is a slave. Everybody is a slave to either sin or righteousness. Verse 16, but you do not know or do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So, as a Christian, I am a slave to the greater master. If I used to be a Christian, but I'm not really anymore in practical living, or if I've never obeyed the gospel to become a Christian, this passage says... I am a slave to sin. Either you are serving Jesus Christ or you are serving sin. Which is it? When a lost sinner obeys the gospel, what happens? Verse 18. Having been set free from sin, the obedient one becomes a slave of righteousness. So do you see that conversion is pictured as a change of masters coming out of sin to Christ, being baptized into Christ to walk or live a new life. You are no longer serving sin, but now serving the greatest master anyone could ever serve. Christians who are faithful to their calling are serving the greatest master ever. He is perfect. He is sinless. 
He is the image of the invisible God. John says that through him all things were made. He was raised from the dead. He's now in heaven at the right hand of God. There is no greater master. You can put your life under his authority with full confidence of his greatness. His competence as a leader, his meekness and gentleness, and you can know that his promises are authentic, every single one. He is worthy of your total devotion. He loves you like nobody on earth has ever loved you. When you walk away from your life as a slave to sin, and you begin obedience to Jesus Christ... There is no greater master. Therefore, no better way to live. No better way to live. There can be no higher and more nobling privilege than to have the Lord of the universe as your owner, as your master. Christians need to realize we were purchased by his blood. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, the writer speaks of Jesus in this way. Him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood. He purchased our freedom from sin. And we agreed to that and accepted that when we repented and when we were baptized. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, Paul to the brethren in Ephesus said, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. We are owned. We have been purchased. And we accepted that offer of grace when we repented and we were baptized. This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20, you are not your own, you were bought at a price. You were bought with a price. And that truth ought to lift Christians up and motivate us and empower us for daily zealous discipleship. He gave his life so that we might be freed from sin to live right and to go to heaven. Purchased by his blood, we should want to be his slave his servant. And it follows that Christians can say we belong to him. We belong to him. There, there's this little statement, very brief, but loaded with truth. In 1 Corinthians three twenty-three, one of those brief statements that if you do not pay good attention, you may walk right by it. 1 Corinthians 3.23, Paul said to the Corinthians, you are Christ. He is the master. We are the slaves. We were purchased 
We are owned by him. You know what that means? It means we don't belong to the devil. It means we don't belong to the world. We may work for some big business, but we are not owned by that business. We may have a profession or an occupation. We're not owned by that. We may have a favored recreation or entertainment venue. We're not owned by that. We are part of families, but not owned or governed merely by family loyalty. We belong to Christ. That's confession of Christians. We belong to Christ. In Romans 14 and verse 8, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we are the Lord's. We are the Lord's. What this is all about is the devotion of the whole person for the whole life. We are slaves of Christ. Number four. Christians can say, he strengthens and protects us. You know, a master provides for his servants. The basic necessities, nourishment, rest, tools for labor, instructions, encouragement, incentive, and in this case, the gift of eternal life. Jesus provides for us, strengthens and protects us. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, doing all things that need to be done through Christ who strengthens us. Listen to 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 3. The Lord is faithful who will strengthen and guard us. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, God provides all things that pertain to life and godliness. Recently in one of our Bible classes, we were in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. And we studied this. God's power guards us. God's power guards us. But don't ignore the next phrase. God's power guards those who through faith are ready for salvation to be revealed at the last time. So the guardianship, the guidance, the protection of God, God's power guards those who live by faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. We have a father and we have a master who richly supplies his people with all they need to serve him. Not material wealth, but spiritual wealth. We are owned by Christ. We are strengthened and protected by God as we become consistently engaged in the pursuit of his will day after day. Zealous for good works. We brought that up last Sunday morning. Slaves of Christ with the greatest master to ever exist, purchased by his blood. We belong to him and we are strengthened and enriched by him to be strong and courageous. If you're a Christian, these are confessions that you can offer. And then I must add, 
We are to be available for his use. I'm going to give you time to turn to 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 21. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through 21. This is from God through Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, beginning at verse 20. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Where you live, in your house, you have a variety of appliances and vessels with different purposes. I remember in my grandmother's house, there was something called a slop bucket. Scraps went into that bucket to feed the yard animals. And that was typical in rural America. However, the vessels and plates and dishes on the table set for dinner, very different. They were set apart. The servants of Christ, the slaves of Christ, need to be so clean, so devoted to what is honorable, we are useful to the master for honorable purposes. Let me say that again. The servants of Christ, the slaves of Christ, need to be so clean, so devoted to what is honorable as opposed to dishonorable, we are useful to the master, ready for every good work. Our Lord needs vessels of honor, who when sanctified by the truth, are useful to the master and prepared for every good work. You know, in local churches, over time, we get into a routine that becomes a rut that we need to recognize and move out of. A few people do most of the work. Have you noticed that? A few people do most of the work. They've done it for many years. They do not complain it ought to be a concern when the people who do most of the work creep up over 60 and 65 and over 70. And you look around and that's pretty much where we are. Those who do most of the work are not complaining, but what is the best practice in local churches? It is shared labor shared labor. There are some things here that some of you can do 
I want to call your attention to that will relieve others to do other things that need to be done. You can be available for the master's use by taking some of the tasks in this local church that need to be done and making those your task. And I know some of you are now thinking, well, what needs to be done that I can do? I'm so glad you asked. I've got a list. I've made copies that will be on a little card in the back of some of the things that some of you might be able to do. And if 15 people sign up for one task, I'll use 14 as backup. I want you to pick up a copy of that and see if there's something there that as a member of this church you can become engaged in. So that there is shared labor instead of that rut <clears throat> where only a few people do most of the work. There's the mailing of the Winter Texan newsletter. We do that between May and October for many, many years. You know who did that? Lois Rogers. She did that over many, many years. There's learning how to use the hymn software in case we need you to do that. There's helping with visitors cards being printed and then distributed. Helping with the website if you have digital skills. Little things. To be pursued with big purpose because you're being available for the master's use. You know what we've been talking about this morning? The devotion of the whole person for the whole of life. If you are a Christian. You are a slave of Christ. But the New Testament says. There's no greater master. You've been purchased by the blood of Christ. You belong to him. You're provided for by him. Now. Will you be available for his use. The devotion of the whole person. For the whole of life. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says. That we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. There will be a day of reckoning. Sadly, some will not be received into glory having given their lives over to the adversary. Gladly, slaves of Christ who devoted their lives to his use will hear these words enter into the joy of the Lord. Devotion of the whole person for the whole of life. There can be no higher or nobler privilege than to have the Lord of the universe as one's master and owner. Maybe there's somebody here and you say to yourself, I'm just not there yet. You can be there. If you recognize that God is above all, that the Bible is his word, that Christ is the son of God, that sin is man's problem, but you can be redeemed by the blood, there is a necessary response. Hearing the gospel, believing in Christ, repenting of your sin, confessing your faith, being baptized into Christ to walk in newness of life and live faithfully and be ready 
for the master's use. Let's be standing as we sing. Today, I'm